Mivamos Perktes Zain Mishnah Aleph. This is the chapter 16, the final chapter of Mesechas Yivamos. And more on the topic of women receiving reports their husband died and what happens next regarding their remarriage and their obligations with respect to Yibum. And this particular Mishnah here will be focused on decision-making under uncertainty where we're not sure exactly um, what to do and therefore what rules govern the woman's decision-making process or the Bezdin's more likely, more accurately, the Bezin's decision-making process regarding what the woman can and can't do. The first case, the Mishnah, there are several, but the first case is a woman who's actually one of two wives. So our hero, the protagonist of our Mishnah, will be, we'll call her A. But she has a co-wife, B, and both A and B are married to this fellow. And this fellow has a brother, but he has no children. So before anything begins, our protagonist A is a woman who is subject to the halachas of Yibam since her husband has no offspring and she has a viable living brother-in-law and the case is that her co-wife B and the husband go away overseas. So we cast the veil of uncertainty, we don't know what happens and then the report comes back that the husband has died. So our Mishnah says, Ha'ish shahalach ba'ala v'tsarasa a woman, A, whose husband and her co-wife, B, go away, Lamadina Sayam, overseas, where we don't know what happens next. And then witnesses come, these are kosher witnesses, and they testify that her husband died. So the fact of her husband's death is a halachic certainty, and under normal circumstances, we'd say, listen, her chazaka, her status quo was, she had no, he had no offspring, he has a brother-in-law, this woman therefore should fall to Yibam, to her brother-in-law. The problem is, at last sighting, B was married to the husband, and they've gone away for some time. So there's a possibility that, meanwhile, her husband had a child with B. And if she did have a child with Miss B, then Miss A, our protagonist, would be exempt and prohibited from doing Yibum, and she could marry whomever she wants um, outside the family in the Shuk. So we don't know. We don't know. Should she be doing Yibam with her brother-in-law or should she be marrying someone else, anyone else but her brother-in-law? So the Mishnah says, Lo tinase, she can't marry other people because maybe she's still required to do Yibam. bem, but she can't do Yibam either because maybe she's exempt from Yibam and therefore would be violating the issue of sleeping with one's husband's brother um, if there's a child born elsewhere to be and therefore to her husband. So therefore she can do nothing. Anshateda until she verifies, do we know for certain, the best knows for certain, Shemamu Uberis hi Tarasa, because maybe the co-wife B had a child while they were away. We don't know. So that's the din in the first case, the mission actually the halacha. Now you might ask, well, wait a second, there is a good solution to this problem. If our woman A did chalitza with her brother-in-law, that could resolve everything because that would resolve any possible zika she has to her brother-in-law and that would also free her to be certainly able to marry whomever she wants in the in the shuk, anyone else. The problem is, as the Gemara explains, that if she did chalitza, then she would have the status of being a chalitza forbidden to a Kohen. And if it turns out that she wasn't subject to chalitza because there really was a viable child born to her husband, so then the chalitza, the chalitza would be 
null and void. She actually wouldn't be a chalutza. We would make some public announcement that she can marry whoever she wants, even a Kohen. But then if she marries a Kohen, someone who knew about the chalitza would then get the wrong impression regarding a chalutza marrying a Kohen. So for all those reasons, or for that one complex thought, uh, we want her to wait and not get married to anybody, uh, including not doing chalitza, until we further clarify the matter. That's the first case of the Mishnah. The second case of the Mishnah is not where we're not sure if her husband had a child, but rather a case where we're not sure if she has a brother-in-law or not. So the case is that the initial starting situation is she has a husband, the husband has no children, and no brothers. So that's a scenario where, of course, she's exempt from Yibam because of the one to Yibam with, and therefore if her husband would die, her Chazaka would be that she could marry whomever she wants. The problem is, if they go overseas, and part of the people who are overseas, behind that veil of uncertainty, is her mother-in-law. And maybe her mother-in-law had a child. And if the mother-in-law had a child, that would be a potentially, if it was a male child, would be her now brother-in-law, which would be the person with whom she'd have obligation to even with. And we don't know what happened. So the question is, would she be able to marry whomever she wants, or does she have to be afraid that maybe she has a brother-in-law and verify that first before marrying someone else? So the Mishnah says, If our woman, Miss A, had a mother-in-law, and the Mishnah doesn't say anything more, but the case is, as I said before, her husband and mother and his parents or his father and, and the woman go away, and now the report comes back that her husband died, we're not concerned about there being a child to the husband, but should we be concerned that the mother-in-law had a baby and there was actually a brother that with whom she must do even? The answer to the mission is, no, we're not afraid of that at all. Why not? Because it essentially boils down to the fact that we have two very legitimate doubts on our hands. The first doubt is, like, who says the mother-in-law had a viable pregnancy? She had to get pregnant with a child that could, you know, bar kayama, that would, you know, that would be survive. And second of all, we have to make sure that the, even if that's true, when she did have a viable pregnancy, it would have to be that the child is a boy. Because if the child's a girl, that doesn't implicate, you know, an obligation for Yibum. So that being the case, we have these two doubts. And therefore, the majority of the most likely scenario of the Rove is that there is no brother-in-law. And therefore, we can be lenient and allow this woman to remarry, not a problem. If you'll ask yourself, wait a second, that really seems, sounds like the, similar to the first case as well. Maybe there was a baby born to the co-wife. Maybe there wasn't. Just like here, maybe there was a baby born to the mother-in-law. Maybe there wasn't. But they're very different. Because when it comes to the mother-in-law, it's specifically a boy that's a problem. Whereas when it comes to the co-wife, any Zara, any offspring that's born to her husband, Miss A's husband and B's husband as well, um, would exempt A from doing evil. So again, the rationale therefore is that there's only... One level of question when it comes to when it, when it comes to the co-wife, either she had a viable pregnancy or she didn't. But when it comes to the mother-in-law, either she had a viable pregnancy or she didn't. And even if she did, who says it was a boy? Maybe it was a girl. So that's the difference between a single and double. And that's the doubt, and that's why we're lenient when it comes to the mother-in-law, but we're strict when it comes to the co-wife. Now, the third case of the mission is: What happens if Yatsa Malaya. What happens if when the mother-in-law left to go away overseas with her husband and son, 
she already was pregnant. Malaya means full, meaning she's pregnant. So, the Tanakama says, Chosheshet, we have to be afraid. Because he says, the question of her having a viable pregnancy seems to be off the table. If she's visibly pregnant, it's pretty safe to assume that the pregnancy is a viable pregnancy. The only question is, is it a boy or a girl? And since that's 50-50, says Tanakama, we have to be afraid it was a boy. There's no majority saying it was a girl. And therefore, she, the Miss A, who was left back home, must clarify the matters and Bezin has to understand what happened before she can uh, marry anybody because maybe she has an obligation of Yibam. Rabbi Yoshua disagrees. Rabbi Yoshua married Rabbi Yoshua says, no, this really is more analogous to the first case of the Mishnah, or the second case, the previous case of the Mishnah. And therefore, we don't be afraid because he says, listen, Okay, good, she's pregnant, but who says it's a viable pregnancy? Maybe it will not end in a healthy baby. And second of all, even if it does, who says it'll be a boy? So you have two, two you have a majority of cases, says Rabbi Yehoshua, like the, it's 50-50 boy-girl, but even with the 50 that it's a boy inside there, you know, not all pregnancies end in healthy, viable boys. So therefore it's a minority, and therefore we don't need to be concerned that the mother-in-law gave birth to a viable boy, which obligate Miss A to do the Allah actually is like the Tanakama, meaning that if she left when she was pregnant, the mother-in-law, we have to be concerned maybe there is a boy in the picture, and therefore the Bezin won't let the Miss A remarry until they clarify the matter.